Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines, the podcast where two best friends use their patent-pending movie ranking scale to determine the true quality of a film. Today is Wednesday, October 25th, 2023, and today we are reviewing the Oscar front runner for a long time now. The Apple, Apple TV, well, technically wouldn't it be Apple TVs, Apple movies, Apple films, Apple productions, Apple's first uh, big shot at an Oscar winning movie, at least that I can remember, Killers of the Flower Moon tie. Yeah. This is a movie where I knew nothing about it six months ago on this podcast and talked about it and just said I was all in because it's Leo, it's Martin Scorsese, it's our guy, Jesse Plemons. Uh, De Niro, all the all the stars are in this. It's just it's just Apple TV. Even when it's a movie, it's Apple TV. Okay, so I was right. I yeah. shouldn't have doubted myself. Uh, the epic, the big epic that is definitely going to be dominating the award season over in February, April, whenever that is. I believe it's February actually. So yeah, this movie, you know, this is kind of the first big release I feel like since Barbenheimer. I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, money wise, it's nowhere close. But just in terms of like the film community being all in on a movie, I feel like this is the biggest since the Barbenheimer opening weekend. So I've been very excited to, to watch this, to talk about it. And uh, I do have some things to say. Mm. Me too. Oh, Marty and his filmmaking. Martin Scorsese. Everyone loves him. Let's get into the show. 60% of the time, it works every time. Don Samos. What? We just become best friends. Yep. I don't feel so good. Oh. I'm not fucking leaving! The show goes on! When a man comes back from war, he moves in with his uncle in one of the most economically profitable areas in the country due to the vast amount of oil that is located there. The land is all owned by Osage Indians in the area, however, and his greedy uncle helps him to get their share of the money by any means necessary. That was a longer synopsis for you, Ty. It's a four-hour movie. (laughs) Three and a half. Okay. 3.30... Quick math, six. 3.26. 3.26, so... Not quite four hours, Ty. We we are a podcast too. Before you know, just a a discretion. Spoilers, of course, but a discretion before we jump in this. Uh, length is not something we have not been scared of length before. If you know what I'm saying. Uh, one of our top reviewed movies of all time is actually a three plus hour movie in Oppenheimer, which came out this year. Yeah. So very recently been a fan of a three plus hour movie. So can't hold that against us. Depending on what we rank this, or it might be another reason why we ranked it high. Who knows? That's true. I mean, we. Again, we love our Marvel stuff. We love the super long Marvel movies. And again, number one on our scale is, how long was that movie? Over three hours. I think it was 312, 304, something along those lines. Uh, up, up and high. Why did it do that? What the? F- Great radio tie. It's definitely over three hours, and I saw it at 11 o'clock at night. So Yeah, it's uh, wild. Oppenheimer is a exactly three hours, three actually. Three hour exact. You said definitely. In nine seconds. Okay. <laughs> so. A little bit shorter than this. Number one rated on our scale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can't beat it. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you can't beat it, but will Killers of the Flower Moon beat it? No. Oh, you don't know what I gave this. It won't because it's statistically impossible for it to beat it with my score. <laughs> I know that for a fact. Way I'm a math guy. Spoil the the review tie. Still might get a very good score. Still might get a terrible score. I mean, you never know. Yeah, very true. This movie, two hundred million dollar budget. This yeah. is coming off of two weeks ago, last week, whenever it was, when we reviewed the creator. And that movie had like a $60 million budget and did all these epic sci-fi things. And we talked about how how come movies like just always have insane budgets. And this was another insane budget movie where not that insane things happen. Oppenheimer, $100 million budget. Just saying. So this movie cost twice as much to make than Oppenheimer, our top rated movie of all time. Uh, It is the most expensive film ever produced, ever shot in the state of Oklahoma. That's a fun fact for you. Courtesy of Wikipedia. What? The most expensive in Oklahoma? Ever shot in Oklahoma. I don't know the list of movies shot in Oklahoma. Probably a lot of westerns when they spent $50,000 on a movie. But uh, most expensive ever. Yeah, and this was a... Um, seemed like a passion project for Mr. Martin Scorsese. Uh, he did the, the Tom Cruise thing before the film. Thanked people for watching it. Said this was a story he's been wanting to tell for a very long time. Uh, it obviously seems like it took a lot of convincing. Um, this is a story he's wanted to tell for a very long time. But the book that this was based off of came out in 2017. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Scorsese is a, a liar, his, a history buff, or he's a history buff. Oh, okay. And he just had to wait for someone else to come along and create a piece of media that he could just adapt and make his own film off of, you know, just kind of like Wolf of wall street, just like uh, the, he has another movie written by the same guy, David Grant. Um, what was the Oppenheimer budget? A wager. hundred million. I'm sorry. The whole time you were talking, all I could think of is how much does IMAX film cost? Mm-hmm. They spent out of that hundred million budget, two hundred thousand dollars on the IMAX film. Less than I would have thought. Yeah, about three dollars a foot. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, Scorsese just had to wait for Mr. David Grant to uh, come along and write a book about it, just like he wrote a book titled uh, "The Wager," which was also a Scorsese movie, I believe, or oh. is going to be a Scorsese oh. movie. Oh, I was like, I've never heard of something that. along those lines. That's what Riley told me. I don't know if I should listen to her. I would trust her with that. She is a book. Now, now, old Marty here. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take a look. Obviously, he's known for like very, very, very influential movies. Eighty years old, by the way. Very. That old. shocked me. I didn't realize he was that old. No, very old. Mm-hmm. His most recent films, mm-hmm. um, director previous, Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this a short, short, short? The Irishman TV series, The Irishman. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. He's done so much shit, but there's like TV series and short. What are you doing? Silence, doing TV series, Marty. You're Mr. Big Screen. Wolf of Wall Street, 2013. Hugo, 2011. This was the most shocking movie on his entire uh, filmography. Shutter Island. That yeah. seems like a kind of movie that's below Martin Scorsese. I've never seen it. Oh I've heard it's God. great. Well, that's why you're just saying dumb shit. Watch the movie. No, I know it's a great movie. I'm saying for him, he would think he's above it. Why do you think that? Because he likes serious stuff. He doesn't like... Have like, you watched this movie? Do you know the premise of Shutter Island? Someone spoiled it for me. Who oh, shall no. not be named. Yeah, so it's like... Shocking reveal first watch. Yeah, I know the whole... I know the such reveal. A, such a fucking... What? I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a Scorsese movie to no, me. No, you gotta watch it. Um, I want to. The Departed, which I've been wanting to watch, The Aviator. Obviously, he's done um, Goodfellas. A lot of other... You oh, know, the old shit. A lot of awards. He's been nominated 90 plus times, 91 times. He's won 20 Academy Awards for all his films. Uh, Raging Bull, 
like I said, Goodfellas. Just The Departed, I think, is his. It's won the most. No, it hasn't. Hugo and The Aviator both won five. So Hugo? Gross. Hugo. That was an animated movie, I yeah, think, wasn't gross. it? Yeah, that's gross. That's right. I forgot. That was animated. Looks like a Polar Express type animation. Also written by a book. Uh, based off a book. Hmm. How many of his films are based off books? Does he just copy everyone? I mean... Silence? Guess what it was adapted from? I'm gonna guess a book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Irishman. Book. Yeah, based on a book, uh, I Heard You Paint Houses by Christian Brandt. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street, we already know. The Aviator. Book? Not based off a book. Oh, nope, sorry. Based book. on the 1993 nonfiction book, Howard Hughes, The Secret of Life. Yeah. I mean, um, look, man, there's talent in being able to read something and being like, I'm going to translate this to the big screen. Mm-hmm. There's talent in that. Makes sense why so many of his movies are really fucking long, though. Goodfellas. Book. Book? Wise Guy. What was the book? Has he best? Has he ever won or been nominated for Best Original Screenplay? I don't think so. And this was It sounds actually- like everything's adapted. Um, he, there was actually a quote the other day where Scorsese was saying, cause Tarantino, you know, has said he's doing what, 10 movies or whatever it is. And this next one is his last. And Scorsese said something like, I could do this forever. You know, I'm not a writer like Tarantino. I didn't realize he literally just adapts everything. And yeah. original screenplay, which I, that makes me want to start a little bit of a rant here. So start- I guess he did the screenplay for some of these films like Casino and, but it's still, and Killers of the Flower Moon, but it's still based on something? Um, best director, best adapted screenplay. I don't see any best original screenplays on here. Wow. What a guy. So let me go on my little rant here. Hit me. Martin Scorsese is the number one, like, just shits on superhero movies. Mm-hmm. 100%. All the time, which I get it. Like, they're bombastic, and they're kind of simple. They're elementary compared to... Some of to- them. How complex you ever watch Logan? cinema can be. I actually haven't. Um, and it's almost easy. I feel like Scorsese, and this is like where it makes no sense. I feel like Scorsese looks at like a superhero movie and he's like, that's easy. You're taking source material. You're just bringing it to the screen. You're not doing it yourself. You're not adding anything. But like, not to say he doesn't add anything because one of our highest rated movies of all time, The Wolf of Wall Street, is a Scorsese movie. But like, I don't know. Just like, yeah, like Goodfellas is great and all that, but like, who's lining up to see a Scorsese movie? The Irishman wasn't that good. No, and I just, I don't know how you feel about this movie. So I could be totally wrong here, Ty, and I could be barking up the wrong tree. And you actually really like this, and Should I'm I just snap back at you and protect my man Marty. Uh, maybe I didn't even mention. I said Casino, kind of, but I didn't mention earlier when I was listing him. Also based off a book, Casino, mm-hmm. Love and Honor in Las Vegas. Um. I just feel like Scorsese's kind of one of those guys where it's like he's going to release a movie and everyone's going to give it a positive review because it's Martin Scorsese. Entirely agree. Like, not saying it's a poorly made movie because it's not. Like, he obviously has talent. You know, I'm not saying, like, this movie's poorly made and everything, but it's like every single one of his releases, I feel like it's hyped by the film community and, like, film snobs. And it reminds me of, I don't know if you saw, did you see my tweet about this? No, I didn't actually. It reminds me of Power of the Dog. It reminds me of the Banshees of Anishrin. It reminds me of freaking The Irishman, where they're kind of boring. They're really long, and everyone just pretends like they understood this deeper metaphor that was really there, and they heard one person say it on a podcast because maybe there was like one or two, you know, film 
historians or whatever that figured it out or the director said it in like a commentary and everyone's like oh yeah mm-hmm. banshee of Inishirin. Yeah. i totally knew that was a metaphor for the irish civil war got it Still, the whole time the most ridiculous i actually heard someone say that on a podcast like you did not know that you don't know shit about the irish civil war maybe i'm wrong maybe people are historians but this felt like one of those movies where i don't know if there's like a metaphor here to understand or anything like that but it feels like a like man yeah like it cuts so deep and all this stuff and it's like does it yeah so before the podcast i made a disgusting like a face of disgust Mm -hmm. and you were asking me and i said i was gonna hold out thoughts yeah that face of disgust was how well the irishman was reviewed on rotten tomatoes (laughs) got a 95 86 yeah there's just no chance that 86 percent of people watched the irishman and said this is a good fucking movie that I want. I, I would recommend to people. It's the Scorsese bump. And listen, like I already said, one of our top rated movies of all time is a Scorsese movie. Yes. Wolf of Wall Street is a great film. I'm not going to take that away from him. He's got plenty of other ones, too. But, I haven't seen them, but I trust people on those. Um, It's just like Irishman's his second top ever. But like you look at his top ranked movies oh, ever. Shutter Island. Great fucking movie. On... um. Rotten Tomatoes, it's a lot of older stuff. It's the Irishman. Obviously, Goodfellas, like I said. Hugo, which I haven't seen. I didn't realize that was him. Killers of the Flower Moon comes in at sixth. And I just, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Raging Bull, for that's good. Probably adapted from a book. I yeah. don't know. I, I mean, even when I've seen people, you know, have some pushback on this movie, they're like, oh, well, it's not like a Scorsese, book. Mm-hmm. Scorsese classic, but... What is a Scorsese classic? Well, that's why I'm like, people are like almost like making excuses for it. Like in the movie community, if you shit on a Martin Scorsese movie, like you don't know movies. Exactly. That's what it feels like. It's like, well, you just didn't get it. It's fucking Scorsese. Like he is good movies. It's the film mafia. You know who else the film mafia loves? Who? A24. God forbid you don't like an A24 movie. Very true. If there's an A24 movie and you're like, it was all right. Kind of boring. Like, look at this fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Like, <laughs> it's A24. It's Scorsese. I'm not going to say it's Tarantino because, honestly, like, I'm a little uh, ignorant with Tarantino. I, I haven't seen enough of his movies. Just hand up. That's on me. Um, and the ones I have seen, I like. So, well, Pulp Fiction was whatever. But um, Oh, that's a bad take. Every, every Quentin Tarantino movie I've seen, except for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. To Django, oh, which I know I pronounced it wrong. I do it. I always do it. Django was great. It was wonderful. Fantastic film. Yeah, there's just some guys that it feels like no matter what, when they make something, people are going to view it through a different lens. And mm-hmm. it's going to be like, well, what was he trying to do here? <laughs> and like give them so much more credit than, I, I don't know, maybe they deserve it because they do have the history, but they aren't looking at it as an isolated thing. They're yep. looking at it as a Martin Scorsese movie. And you know what I love about Christopher Nolan, who has taken the place of my favorite director? What is that? He doesn't like, he does leave room for interpretation, don't get me wrong. But it's not like, you're not grasping at straws. You're not like, what is Christopher Nolan trying to do here? He shows you what he's trying to do. Yeah. He's a fucking filmmaker, baby. Oh, yeah. And he can adapt stuff off of books all he wants. I don't care. Okay, I agree. (laughs) I'm with that. (laughs) Don't even worry about it, Chris. (laughs) No no strays for Christopher Nolan. But I don't know. Maybe I'm a little salty because... Uh, Scorsese just likes to shit on Marvel movies every chance he gets because they dominate his movies in the box score, but or in the box office. But like, dude, don't make three and a half hour movies that are boring. I'm sorry, I'm kind of showing my hand here uh, with our review, but like, this movie was boring, and The Irishman 
was boring from what I heard. I didn't even get through the whole thing because it was yeah. I was just like, whatever. Couldn't I, do it. I feel like the Irishman was just like four hours of buildup for like one emotional scene. That's it. That's all the movie was. And was the scene even that emotional? Kind of. The whole movie's, I mean, spoiler alert for the Irishman. It's been out for fucking years now. Whole movie's just him and this buildup of him working with this guy and becoming like best friends and trusted. And then they have him kill the guy. Mm. That's it. But the rest of the movie just like, it's just the buildup for this one moment. And then he shoots the guy and then it's like, oh, shit. Got it. Like, yeah, like, it kind of works, but it's also like, you probably could have done this in like two and a half hours and got the same effect out of me. Well, Irishman was the longest film of his career up until Killers of the Flower Moon, I believe. Oh, no, actually, it's no, longer. it's longer. Three minutes were longer, yeah. Yeah. It's a long fucking movie. Maybe he just gets off by getting long movies nowadays. And I will say, like, that, the Irishman, when I think of that movie, like, I do think of it as, like, a slow build up, get to this big moment, see the payoff. I don't know if I view this movie in the same way. No. I don't no. think there's any build up to a emotional payoff. I, I think You're talking about Killers of the Flower Moon. Yes, Killers yeah. of the Flower Moon. I, I don't think it earns that three and a half hours to sit there and be committed to it. Yeah, and me and Riley were talking about it. And she was saying I was in the minority and stuff and blah, 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 blah. We definitely are. I mean, everyone seems to fucking love this. But That's another thing, too. If you if you don't like it, you're, you're dumb. Yeah. Dumb brain. Bird brain. Yep. Um, And we were talking about it, though, and she's like, I just don't really know what you cut from this movie. And I thought about it, and I was like, I kind of agree. Like, like yeah, there's, like, some interpretive stuff maybe you could cut. But, like, there, I feel like there wasn't enough there, – there wasn't enough stuff in this movie you could, like, cut to make an actual difference to the runtime. Like, everything felt like it was – it felt right being there, and it was still three and a half hours, and it was still boring. And, like, that just made me realize, like, sometimes you don't need to make a movie out of everything. A hundred percent. Like, the Osage – what happened to the Osage? Osage? I, I want to pronounce it. Osage people was obviously horrible. And this was a very compelling story. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, I was researching, like, what actually happened in these murders after the fact, which I've said on this podcast. I love these, like – biopic or you know based off historical events that's why i'm so stoked for napoleon like teaches you a part of history you didn't know in an entertaining way and like so i was excited to research it after the fact but it's like maybe you didn't need a three and a half hour movie maybe it's a tv show maybe it's a i don't know i don't know what it is but like there was no payoff and i'm sorry ty i don't know if i'm jumping the gun with our scale and everything like i vehemently hated the ending to this movie yeah and riley was like it's creative it's different no one's ever done it that way and i'm like fair because it was bad like you built up this whole emotional story and you end it with a quick 90 second oh it was just a freaking theater a uh, 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 true crime theater production and we're gonna have martin scorsese come on camera right. and read the, the obituary fuck off my screen which Marty. that whole thing with the obituary and like not mentioning the murders and everything could have been a deep scene but instead, you had Scorsese on the screen reading it, and I was just the whole time like, why the fuck are you on my screen, Martin Scorsese? Get out of here. And just and killed again, the emotional impact for me. And again, that feels like something that people watch it, and they're like, fucking Marty, Martin Scorsese, dude. Like, that's such a creative, clever, rather than like be like, hey, actually could have had a decent little emotional payoff here. Yeah. And they look at it through those Scorsese colored glasses, and are like, this is fucking awesome. When in reality, it's like, I just waited three and a half hours to have Marty just read me the fucking script. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He didn't even film the fucking movie. He didn't even write the script. It's a fucking book. 
He just reads me the end of the book. Does that happen in the book? The book just ends with like two tickets to a murder mystery or a, a true crime production. It's like a kid's book, actually. You get to the back, you pull a tab, and then it, it reads like mm. it's an audio book at the very last page. <laughs> Got it. You don't even get to read the ending, just like you don't get to watch the ending in the movie. That frustrated me. And I don't see in like, you know what the problem was and why they did that is because like there was still a lot of their lives that happened. Obviously, like they briefly mentioned that they got divorced and she got remarried and he went to jail and they went to jail and all that stuff. And it's like, they're probably sitting there like, man, that's still like 30 to 45 more minutes of material to go over. And we're already at three and a half hours. So let's just end it. Maybe that's a reason why you shouldn't have, uh, like done the movie in the first place or B and obviously like they're not going to copy Oppenheimer and they couldn't have because they were making this movie at the same time as Oppenheimer. But like Oppenheimer did such a, I hate this is like the 10th time we brought it up. Did such a good job of interweaving that post atomic bomb and the, the uh, De Niro, not De Niro, the Robert Downey Jr. Um, the trial in Senate, you know, with that character and uh, Oppenheimer getting tried in his post-life after the bomb. Mm-hmm. They did such a good job of like blending that with the buildup to the bomb where it felt natural. And you kind of got that payoff at the end after the bomb. And I said in our review back then, that was the one part of the movie where it felt like a drag for me. It was late. I get it. But at least you got that payoff at the end. Whereas this, it was just like they didn't do anything like that. Like, Imagine if you could redo this movie like Mr. Christopher Nolan, my favorite director. And it's like the trial – You'd be doing the exact same thing as Oppenheimer, but like the trial is almost going on at the same time as all these things are happening in the past, and you blend those things together, and then you can get an organic ending at the end rather than it's just like this slow build up, you know, two minutes of a trial of not even a trial, Leonardo DiCaprio just doing his testament or whatever it's called. Testimony. A testimony, and then a somewhat dramatic payoff with his wife, and then you get fucking Scorsese on the screen. Yeah. Again, for the second time. Yeah. Had to see him twice. Yeah, I – and again, I'm with you. I don't know if there is a section to cut from this movie to where I can pinpoint, like, we don't need this, we don't need that. Like, it all works equally for me. But I, I – if I'm not mistaken, Martin Scorsese sets up these movies, has his production company, he finances the movies, and then sells them. Mm-hmm. Okay. R- rather than a typical director having someone else pay for it, they have a hand in the creative process. Okay. He creates it, has a contract with the company. I'm going to create it. You're going to buy it mm-hmm. and distribute it. Yeah. I think. I don't know. I'm just saying, I, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that that's his setup because, I mean, he's got more money and I'm sure anyone's like, yeah, just sell me whatever you have and I'll distribute it mm-hmm. kind of deal. Mm-hmm. This feels like something where you have to clean this up. You have to find a way to streamline this story. And if there isn't individual parts to cut out, that's what, that's what these fucking companies that distribute this shit is there for like they they shit hits the cutting room floor and we got to get rid of this shorten this scene pace it better whereas <laughs> this just feels like you're cruising along at that it's like the fucking race in this movie where everyone's doing a wild 30 miles an hour down the streets <laughs> and people are running behind the cars to keep up with them yeah that feels like the pace of this movie oh it's but, just a real consistent 30 miles an but hour. i've read that the pacing was great in this and you don't even feel the three and a half hours well, here's my thing the pacing is very consistent it, it's it's consistent there's not like a this part fucking sucks yeah it's just kind of like okay throughout the entire thing yeah like it's it's it, which does nothing for me 
I'm not going to disagree with you. Yeah, it was produced. Uh, Sakelia Productions, yeah, formerly known as Kappa Productions and Kappa Films. That's his production company. Also produced by Appian Way Productions, which was a production company started by Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, okay. I'm guessing they just do a lot of Leo movies, <laughs> yeah, I would okay. imagine. Um, they also, in The Wolf of Wall Street as well. So, what's the last Leo movie we got? Don't Look Up? That's got to be the right. last one, right? I feel like we just haven't got much Leo in his older age. He won that Oscar for Revenant, or is that what Revenant? Mm-hmm. And just feel like he hasn't done as much since then. Maybe I'm ignorant in saying that, but I don't know. I will say, I I caught myself because there's one point where they're calling like Leonardo DiCaprio like a handsome devil or something mm-hmm. throughout this movie, mm-hmm. and I was like, is he that handsome? Like looking at older Leo, and then I remembered it was fucking Leonardo DiCaprio, and I was like, oh no, that checks out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I didn't see, so that's why I feel like I haven't seen a lot of Leo. Well, that was before Don't Look Up. No, I know, but, so if you look at his filmography, it's Killers of Flower Moon, Don't Look Up, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He was in some documentary short films, like Not Real Stuff, and then The Revenant. So he's really done, this is his third thing and since The Revenant, since he won that Oscar, so. Um, I what think pr- fucking, Prime Leo's passed us, but it's okay. Prime Leo, yeah, because the fucking run... From he, I mean, he has young Leo like that run, mm-hmm. but then I'm gonna I'm gonna say young Leo, prime Leo. Now we're in old Leo. Mm-hmm. We're in we're in midlife Leo because mm-hmm. maybe he has like a oh, he, old man. He yeah yeah for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Shutter Island, Inception, Django Unchained, The Great Gatsby, Wolf of Wall Street, The Revenant. Why'd you leave off J Edgar about J Edgar Hoover? I haven't seen it. Wasn't as good of a review, mm. but just like that grouping of movies in a five year span. Yeah. 2010 to The Revenant 2015. Mm-hmm. What a fucking run. Yeah, great run. And then he took some time off after. Yeah. Go date some 25-year-olds or whatever it is. He's still doing it. <laughs> or 21, whatever the heck it is with him. They expire at 25. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, Leo's great. And maybe it's worth asking, Ty. Has Leonardo DiCaprio's great acting made people overrate Martin Scorsese? Oh, we getting a Tom Brady, Bill Belichick thing going on here? Dude, that's a great comp. That's a great comp. Leo's the Tom Brady. Yeah. Belichick is is Martin Scorsese. Now, he- with that being said, we don't like this movie, and it's Belichick and, and Brady. <laughs> and they went like 6-10 and 10 back when it was 16-game seasons. Oh, man. Let's jump into the scale, Ty. Let's talk about it. Plot slash story. The story... Of the Osage people. Os- Osage. Osage people. I'm going to keep messing that up. I it's apologize. It's a long A or short A. I don't know, but it's one of them. Osage people about uh, King. I'll just call him King. I don't remember. It's William, whatever. Bill. Joey. I think it was Bill. Uh, what it only wasn't Joey. William Hale. Uh, it's called King. That's what they called him. Yep. King, He's he runs the place. He does. And he's, he's using the king. Leo to get more money. And you see this slow, like murder spree pretty much um and which is weird you don't see like the other mur- like I-, I thought it was going to be more about because like the synopsis the movie was like about like the fbi's investigation on the yeah. murders so i thought it was going to be like this cool investigative movie about all these different murders and it was instead like a bunch of random murders and then there was the one specifically tied to um ernest uh what was his last name i'll just call him burkhart. ernest ernest burkhart's family and molly burkhart and <sighs> I don't know. This story is compelling. The history behind this is compelling. That's what I mean. Like, I'm very interested to learn about this. And I think 
there is something to say about representing the Osage people and telling their story and telling it like kind of through their lens. You know, I think this is Leo's the main in this, but this movie's almost told through the lens of uh, uh, Molly Burkhart, Molly Gladstone, Lily Gladstone. So there's something to that. And I respect that. That being said, like, I don't, there was no like dramatic buildup. There was no, I feel like there wasn't a good payoff and really the ending like just made it sit poorly with me. Like if I, if you do this different and you actually get a decent, like, I don't even want to call it a payoff because it's based off history. So you don't have to do like this big grand door payoff, but you just do anything other than. What do you mean payoff? It's based on history. The best fucking <laughs> We're, we've talked about Oppenheimer. It's based on history and they find a way to give you two good payoffs in one movie. That's shorter than this. Just don't end it with the murder mystery theater bullshit. And that really sat low with me. And I'm, th- I was thinking like, I didn't like the pacing, which I think plays into this. So that was naturally going to hold it back. I still thought it was a compelling story to tell, but the ending just really turned me off. So that gave it like a minus three points for me, Ty. It really did. I landed at an 11 out of 20. Yeah. I, so you bring up the fact that like this was sold as a murder mystery kind of investigation type thing. Mm-hmm. Now, while watching this movie, I'm about two hours into it. Yeah. And I'm like, I thought Jesse Plemons was in this fucking movie. <laughs> I was like, he would be so good in this fucking movie as like a detective guy trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And then I waited another 30 minutes to be fucking floored by Jesse Plemons finally showing up to start his investigation. Are you Jesse Plemons guy now? After I- game night? Because <sighs> you were very man. anti-Jesse Plemons for a while. I-, I was. I was anti-Jesse Plemons. Then went on to watch um, Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. It's like younger Jesse Plemons. Didn't know he was even in that. Very good in it. Younger Jesse Plemons. Mm-hmm. And then we go to Game Night. Really good. Mm-hmm. What else have I seen? Which, there was something else that I watched with Jess, Jesse Plemons in it. He was in, um, wasn't he in, um, this is great radio. Oh, he's also in The Irishman. We're going to ignore that. He was in that movie we watched in 2021. It was a stream movie. Power of the Dog. Jungle Cruise. Not Judas pro- Judas and the Black Messiah. That's what I'm thinking That's of. That's the other yeah. thing. He yeah. plays basically the exact same character, but like 150 years later. See the tweet where it's like, if this guy shows up in your movie, you know it's going to be good. And it was just a picture of Jesse Plemons. Oh. I was going to say, if this guy shows up in your movie, just know you're guilty. <laughs> he's got you. Fair. And it's not like he's ever done anything to like be like, wow, what a great detective. <laughs> he didn't do shit here. He's just like, hey, come on, man. He's like, yeah, you're right. He does get typecast. Big time. It's like the one random guy we found. I don't even remember his name. And you pointed out he was like the perfect cop. And then we went on his filmography and literally everything like ten times. was a cop. He's been the fucking police chief. Um, but I mean, he's he's lieutenant in Hostiles. He was uh, Sheriff Paul Meadows in this movie called Antlers. Uh, he was Sheriff Joe Downing in American Maid. And that's just reading like the names of his characters. I don't even know like he was. I mean, he's he's just listed as Gary in Game Night, but he's he's the officer Gary. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm a lot higher on Jesse Plemons than I was. I would say two years ago. Fair enough. I wasn't familiar with his game. Well, how are you about this plot slash story? This plot slash story. All that to say that I was expecting this to be again similar type movie as you, and again it's just not, dude. The pacing is like consistent, but consistently like slow slow it is and it's like uh, there is no big build-up and edge of your seat and what's gonna happen next it's kind of just like these people get murdered and they don't even really like ever show leonardo dicaprio starting to do the shady shit with william hale it's just all of a sudden he's doing shady shit yeah it's like who do you want me to kill now yeah 
which I'm like, I don't know if that's a creative choice, but like, show me that. Give me some internal struggle with the Ernest Burkhart character and like, fuck, dude, I really want to get this money. Like, I, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this because this is what my uncle wants. Like, mm-hmm. give me that. But all of a sudden you just like blink and it's like, oh, he's just killing people now. Yeah. Just doesn't give a fuck. Well, I don't think he ever directly killed. No. But pretty much did the bidding of the killing. Yeah. Yes. Set up just about all of them. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I don't, I don't fucking get it. And it's so weirdly paced and it's just all this shit happens and the investigation happens. And even when the investigation happens, it's not like a, oh my God, they're going to catch him. Oh my God, they're going to catch him. Mm-hmm. It's just like it happens and it's like, oh, this dude narked. And he's like, oh shit. Well, yeah. I'm going to narc then. Yeah. And that's just kind of it. Mm-hmm. And I like, I'm with you. I think the story being told needs to be told in a better way, but it's a great story to tell because these people got fucked over. Like Leonardo DiCaprio is the lead character in this movie. His uncle is supposed to be like the the real asshole. Like asshole, mm-hmm. fucking hate both these guys. Just terrible scumbags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like he's just like, oh, I love my wife, but like, let me just like get her addicted to heroin and try and fucking kill her. He was morphine. But but... I love my no, it was heroin. Riley told me it was morphine. She googled it. Fucking maybe. I thought the doctor said give me heroin. I think I heard that too. I think they were giving her heroin to heal her. Oh, I thought she had a heroin addiction. I don't fucking know. He was giving her some sorts of drugs. Yeah. Just a real piece of shit. Yeah. Terrible human being. Didn't like any. I'm one point. I'm out of 10. <laughs> like, I think the concept and what they're trying to do is really good. I think the execution is quite literally dog shit. <laughs> wow. I was mostly turned off by the, uh, the ending. It just pissed me off, man. Well, that's the thing is like you can have a slow build and that's like even the Irishman. I wasn't as as bad on it because this buildup of this relationship and everything you get, you get a fucking payoff and it's emotional. And it's like, this guy has to grip, you know, struggle. There's that internal struggle Mm -hmm. of like, I've got to kill this person who I've, I've grown up with. But when I was a young, I walked like a crippled person, but I was a young Robert De Niro in the Irishman (laughs) to now old Robert De Niro and having to kill this guy. And, like, the payoff in that one, while a very long fucking movie to get through, is good. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I'm going to give that a much better score than this because you can have a slow burn type movie if it's worth it in the end. This yeah. this is a fucking thing. It's like there's dynamite at the end and you light the fuse. It's a very slow burn and fuse. And then you get right to the dynamite and Marty walks up and cuts the fucking cuts the fuse. <laughs> and he's back on screen. Yeah. And it's like, I, I just... I don't get it. I like a lot of things that they did with this, but the story telling aspect of the story is good. The storytelling is bad. It just is. I agree. I agree. Ty. Now, key, how'd you feel about key elements? Yeah. So this movie, historical drama, if I had to guess, mm-hmm. crime drama, history. Mm-hmm. I liked the Osage Indians influence on it and the different aspects of it. I liked the little things that they did throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was just going to say the book is literally called Killers of the Flower Moon, the Osage Murders, and the Birth of the FBI. Like, that sounds sick. Yeah. Like, this literally caused the birth of the FBI. Yeah. We're like, hey, we should get some guys to look into shit. And that's completely glossed over in this, but continue. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't catch that at all. Yeah. Jesse Plemons was FBI agent one. Maybe. Yes. Badge number 001. <laughs> That's pretty sick. 
Tom White. He's probably the grandfather, canically, of like 10 of his other characters. Oh, there you go. The Jesse Plemons universe. Yeah. Just the longest running group of detectives in U.S. history. Thomas Bruce White Sr., the actual character. Great hat. Same hat Jesse Plemons had. He's known for solving the complex and notorious Osage murder case. Again, complex and notorious. Time out. Complex? They didn't make it seem complex. This was cut and dry. White people wanted the money. They were killing Indians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was, that it's very obvious. And the one guy who's named King who runs everything, shocker, he's the one running all the murders to get more money. <laughs> yeah. And just randomly burning stuff around his house because he had a fire insurance policy. Yeah, really good at insurance fraud. <laughs> I will give him that. Masterclass in insurance fraud. <laughs> oh, man. What did you think of the Kielman? Sorry to derail you. No, you're fine. I liked what they did. I liked when she was dying and she saw the people and like saw the fucking owl and like it wasn't real. And mm-hmm. I like some of that stuff. I, I I don't know. It's just not enough for me to really be invested in this story. Whereas like independently, like looking it up, 100%, I think it's a very interesting story of really, really shitty White people fucking over Native Americans. You can mm-hmm. tell this story over like three centuries with a different story. And it's the same premise. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's just fucking, I like what they tried to do with it, but just not enough. Not enough in this film. I'm at a 14 out of 20. I'm higher on it than, than the stories. I like some of the Native American influences. The It's not like, you know, mystery as much as like a crime, like crime is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like the period piece type of stuff. Like it feels like you're back in. Was it 1800s? Oh, they had cars. Eight. 1920. Eight. Eight? That is the score I gave. Oh, my God. I was like, the year eight? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ was a lot. Oh, no, sorry. A.D. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, eight A.D. (laughs) Wouldn't have been even... His body is not even cold yet, Jay. Wait. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I gave this an eight um it's very low i think i agree with you with the osage influence and the period piece and all that stuff i think some of that may have showed up in a different category so it'll be interesting to see where that where we differ there in terms of key elements i was thinking of it as the the drama aspect of it didn't feel like it was that dramatic i was thinking of the emotion and like this is a very emotional story and i felt like it was almost there so often like there were so many scenes where it was like Great acting all around, not to spoil something else. We're like emotional scenes between Ernest Buckhart and his wife and all this stuff. And it's like, we're so close to just figuring it out, but we couldn't quite figure it out. It just, it felt a little like lifeless to me. I don't know what it was. I don't, I I, I don't know. I just, I, I, that really lacked again. The ending kind of was a big wet fart and kind of ruined the, the drama slash emotion aspect of it. And that's just kind of like, this movie had so much potential, like you said, the internal battle, all this stuff that Leo's character could have went through, and it just wasn't there. And I felt like, again, for the 15th time, Oppenheimer is a, a story about a troubled man who, you know, maybe meant good, but created something that killed, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, or I don't know how many, but, and his troubles with that. And, like, Ernest Buckhart was very obviously kind of, like, a dumb man, but a good man, but a dumb man who was kind of, like, convinced to do these things. Not a good man that maybe he didn't want to do. I think that's how they were trying to paint him though. Is like this dumb guy. And that's why I think the key elements is off. Cause I think it's like, it was almost meant to be like 
hey, this guy's kind of dumb, and he gets taken advantage of by his uncle, but he kind of still means well, but, like, he's a conflict, you know, a complicated person, you know, and that's why he gets pardoned at the end, and I think that's why they included that in the movie to show, like, oh, the governor, you know, of Oklahoma thought, you know, he was getting taken advantage of, but that just doesn't follow through. I thought he got, like, 25 years. I didn't see he got pardoned. Yeah, he got he got time, but he later got pardoned for all of his crimes by the Oklahoma governor. Oh. They said that in the movie, and then I did research after. Yeah, and I think that's what they were trying to do with this was like make leo's character look like this dumb guy who you know gets taken advantage of and all this stuff and no you just kind of make him look like a jerk and i just i don't know i don't think i don't think this movie is what martin scorsese and his fans are going to watch it saying it is yeah i I don't disagree i think the emotional stuff pays off with uh molly burkhart like Mm -hmm. that is a character who is just just getting fucked over relentlessly throughout this film yep and it's a very subtle quiet performance out of her but like again not to spoil things for a different category i like the emotional (laughs) scenes with her yeah like i like the scenes themselves but i just feel like the actual emotion i felt as a listener kind of hit myself a little hard there yeah just wasn't there i'm probably a point or two higher than you on that and giving it more credit for the Native American stuff. But I, I don't disagree with you. You're not wrong. I know. but It's subjective. You can't be wrong when you're subjective. You can. I've seen your score on Hoobie Halloween. You can be wrong. <laughs> Hoobie Halloween? Better rewatch than this? I don't know. Um, <laughs> would you rather rewatch this or Hoobie Halloween? <sighs> That's toughy. Now, are you saying one-time rewatch? I don't plan on ever watching either of these movies again. So you saying one time rewatch mm-hmm. or like every time, time I go to a hotel that movie's on, just one time, one time rewatch mm-hmm. this movie because I'll give it another chance to try and see what Marty was trying to do. <laughs> okay, okay. Anything after that, then I'll just deal with Hubie Halloween. Visual cinematography. Look, it's a two hundred dollar million dollar movie that didn't include very much like CGI or anything like that. Obviously, a lot of money went to the big name actors. This was shot beautifully. I mean, there's a reason why Scorsese has the hype. Like he knows. He's still a filmmaking connoisseur or, or whatever. You know, he, he can make films. He's got that eye for what looks savant. good. Savant. savant. Uh, he's got the eye for what looks good, for what sounds good. I thought the, the soundtrack in this uh, was solid. And the the setting piece, and you really were in this world, and they built a great, you know, set in on location in Oklahoma. I gave this a 19 out of 20. Like, it's one notch below, you know, being a, a perfect 20 for me. I think of Oppenheimer as a 20. I think of Spider-Verse. That's a different reason. But I think of this movie, and I view it in a similar light as Fableman's as far as visual cinematography. I thought this was a talented director who, even if I disagree with some of his other decisions, still can make a, a decent-looking shot film. Kind of like Babylon, which also got a 19 for visual cinematography for me. Good movie. Eh. Um, <laughs> I was at... A 17, and then you reminded me of how much I enjoyed the soundtrack of this film, so I'm at an 18 out of 20. Okay. It's very well made. Uh, I do think, if I'm being honest, I think other categories and me lacking an emotional connection to this film is hurting it for this score. Because if I gave more of a fuck about the characters, like I'm just trying to like go back through my brain and think of like mm-hmm. shots from this film. 
king standing on his fucking porch with like the reflection in his glasses of his whole fucking yard burning down mm-hmm. could be a sick shot if you're like this guy's burning everything to the fucking ground like mm-hmm. but i'm just like hey i don't really give a fuck about this guy why is he burning his crops and that's the problem going back to key elements some of those scenes like that fire burning scene it's like i feel like the average moviegoer is like what's going on here but if you do it right there's such a symbolic thing there yeah and that's what it's supposed to be, but you lacked in other areas that just didn't make it pay off properly. Yeah, hundred percent. Two cents. Yeah. Um. With that being said, it's st- I mean still fucking eighteen. It looks very good. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack's done well. The different, you know, uh, like the ending shot, even of like everyone dancing in the circle for. Didn't uh, really understand what was going on in that, but it's like a funeral type thing, wasn't it? I had no idea. Or was it a wedding? Couldn't tell you. I forgot. It was, it was a, just a vague. It was a very long lecture I just sat through. I don't remember all the fucking details. <laughs> I would fail the test. Um, it looks really good. And I do think there's a lot of really well made shots. And there would be memorable shit if I cared about the movie more. I would like to see this movie on IMAX. I'm not going to go rewatch it. But I kind of wish I would have seen it on IMAX just so I could have, I don't know, experienced it a little bit. Yeah. Maybe it gets a 20. Who knows? Probably not. But The tune was catchy. I like their the, the fucking little Native American mm-hmm. like background kind of fucking drum thing they had going on. Yeah. I felt like I was in the old old west. This movie's at a weird time because I feel like it's like old western but then they're driving cars. It's a transitional time. Yeah, it is. What a weird time for people to be alive. Weird time for us right now, Ty. Yeah. AI taking us over. Oh yeah. Characters. It pains me that some categories are holding this movie up. I thought Every performance except one. Maybe not every. <gasps> oh, the gasp. Most performances... I'm just more intrigued that one stood out. ...in this movie except one were Oscar nominee, nomination worthy at the very least. I think Leo's going to cook. You let him cook. He's going to put up 40, 10, and 10 on any given night. He's going to have a 190 ADRA. He's Great just going to cook. reference on... Was it opening day? I still didn't Yesterday was opening night. Um, opening week. Yes. He's going to cook, and he's great in this, and he really, you could tell, takes every role he has um, you know, seriously. And I think this is why people like this movie is because the actors on screen act their fucking asses off. And it's easy for that to sometimes mask other things. You think about a movie, and you think about, like, if you're not doing our complex movie ranking scale that we have, mm-hmm. you're just thinking, like, you, your first thing you think of is, like, acting and just kind of how much you liked it, I feel like. Like, you kind of only think of those two things. So you, you kind of think, like, oh, well, the acting was really good, and I walked away from it, you know, feeling okay about it because the acting was good. This is a really good movie. When you break it down into other things, sometimes there's more that meets the eye. But I thought the acting was, was great. I thought Lily Gladstone hmm? was the star of the show. Um, how much she told without telling much in her performance was very hard to do and done very, very well. Um, I thought all the side characters were great, even Jesse Plemons, like all the neighbors, the sisters, everyone. I thought they were all great. I thought the only one that lacked a little bit was Robert De Niro, if I'm being honest, Ty. Okay. What did you think? I gasped, but yeah, I'm fine. Did you give your score? 19 out of 20. It's a very high score. Yeah. I didn't get my score. 19 out of 20. One of my highest ever for characters. I I think we got a lot of good performances out of this. I'm not as high as you are on it, though. I think that 100% Lily Gladstone MVP. Wonderful, subtle, does great. Mm, yes, she does. 
kind of let down by Leonardo DiCaprio in this movie. Really? And it, it genuinely feels like he's such a fucking one-dimensional character. See, I... Yeah. And maybe that should go into characters more. Maybe I weighted it more in key elements, but... Because the conversation we had with key elements, but... Because I was thinking about the acting, but I get what you're about to say, so continue. It's, again, the only time that I was like, Leo's cooking right now is when he's in the jail cell and he finds out that his his child died. Cowboy died. Mm -hmm. And he just falls to the floor. Cowboy doesn't die. Daughter dies. I thought he said they took my cowboy. Well, they took cowboy from him. Oh. Yeah. The daughter dies. But not. The daughter with the whooping cough. Got it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. cowboy was the other one. Mm Mm-hmm. Either way, he <laughs> breaks down very emotional, and I'm like, okay, like that's a fucking Oscar, that's a goat right there, that's great performance. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, he just plays this kind of dumb western, I'll do whatever you say, unk. Yeah. And that's just kind of it, and like even in like the emotional moments with his wife, like Molly breaks down and has her whole fucking family murdered or died, mm-hmm. and, and like you don't really get anything out of him. In those scenes, like there's no like like any scene that shows like a little bit of resentment that like this woman he supposedly loves is going through so much fucking pain. He's poisoning her. He's fucking making her addicted to drugs. Like you don't get anything out of him. He's just kind of doing his thing. I would disagree a little. I feel like there's some scenes when they're in the bed and he's like emotional and stuff, you know, where they're. He's like crying or whatever, and you know he, he put some of the heroin or whatever it was into his whiskey drink. And the scene when the house blows up and he goes and looks at the scene and just the the harrowing look on his face and the he returns and sees her crying in the basement and stuff. I, I get what you're you're saying, and I feel like it's almost a product of the writing slash 100 percent what they did. No, 100 percent it um, is. It's the shit he was given. Um, and I think that's it was reflected more of my key elements of not feeling the emotion and the drama yeah. because of that. Whereas Maybe I could have waited it better, but oh, well, I think it all evens out in the end. I looked in the characters. I was just looking more at his performance, and I still thought his perf- – like, just performance-wise was great. And this might sound stupid, bird brain comment out of me. There was a scene in this movie when I was like, shit, these are actors. Like, I forgot <laughs> when when they're really – when actors are really good, yeah. you can't tell they're acting. And that's so simple. It's like the most simple thing you could ever say. You but figured it out. I had a moment in the movie. I was like – I think it was when Clemens and DiCaprio were on the screen together or something. I was just like, fuck, these guys are actors. Yeah. Like, this ain't real. And I think that was a testament to the performances. De Niro, I thought, was whatever. I honestly, there was like one time in this movie he kind of broke his um, accent, and I noticed it. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, very briefly. It was like one or two sentences. I was like, Robert, come on. I was like, Martin, how'd you let that slip? But... (laughs) Um, I thought he was whatever. I think you could have cast someone really compelling in that role. I know De Niro's just a Scorsese guy, so he's going to get the role, and I'm pretty sure he had like a messy divorce, so his wife gets half his money anyway, so that's why he takes like every acting thing ever. De Niro? Um, yeah. Oh. Uh, is it De Niro that had the messy divorce? Yeah. Robert De Niro's lawyer claims he's being, quote, forced to work to support his estranged wife's thirst for Stella McCartney. Wow. It's a quote from his lawyer. What a quote from his lawyer. Um, Was his lawyer Brendan Fraser? Is that who gave the quote? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Uh, I will say later an article was written that Robert Nero won't have to divide fortune with ex-wife. So maybe he doesn't have to do that after all. I don't know. I thought he kind of just was whatever. He was like Robert De Niro. Like. Yeah. And this is total like all the film snobs are going to gasp. 
my favorite Robert De Niro is Meet the Fockers. I'm sorry. I just love him in that film franchise. and He's wonderful in it. Um, Just everything else, he's whatever <laughs> to me. I think the only thing that you could have said worse than that, though, for like film people is Dirty Grandpa. Mm. I didn't even know he was in that. He's the titular Dirty Grandpa. Oh, I was thinking of the Johnny Knoxville They made movie. two identical movies at the same time <laughs> with the same name. The Dirty <laughs> Grandpa is where he plays Dick Kelly and mm. he tries to fuck a college girl. Nice. Yeah. Good for him, Mr. Robert De Niro. <laughs> I, yeah, I 100% agree on the De Niro point. I, I don't think that he does anything spectacular in this film. I feel like that character should be such a... I don't know. The way he's like so intertwined in, in the tribe, mm-hmm. whereas also just like working in the shadows, running everything, having people fucking murdered, he should be such a fucking terrifying and posing figure on screen. And he's not. Yeah, and it should almost be like a fucking like a multi-personality kind of character where it's like he is the nicest guy you will ever meet, cares about this tribe more than anybody, and the second they turn their back, he's fucking stabbing a knife into them. Yeah. And you don't really get that out of him at all. I, I'm trying to think, like, who would be a good actor for that? And I, I really I really don't know. I In theory, it would be De Niro, you know? But I don't know. I don't know who, but I, I, I picture like my thought with that character is identical to what you're saying. Like, I feel like an older, uh, an older Brad Pitt might pull it off pretty well. Too young now. Oh, is Brad Pitt going to have a fucking renaissance when he's like 60? How old is he actually? He's 59. I was going to say, he feels like a guy who's going to look 30 until he's 60. Yeah. Is Brad Pitt going to have a renaissance when he's 96? Maybe like Tom Hanks. Just kidding. That was a joke. Marlon Brando? Is he alive? No, he's got to be dead, He's right? dead. Yeah, his Wikipedia says was, so... Oh my god, he died in 2004. Yeah, I was like, I don't think he's ever been alive when I've been conscious of who he is. Older Hugh Jackman? Nah, he's too... He's got too much of that Australian twang to him. Hmm. De Niro's a real fucking... Rise of the industrial era. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who could have been better, if anyone, but... I feel like there was an extra level to that performance that could have been captured, but I still really liked all the acting in this. I really did. I think you're going to get, you're going to get, Leo's going to get an, a nom for best actor. You're going to get Gladstone probably for best supporting, even though this I'll was I'll be so fucking mad if Leo her. wins for this performance. All the other great ones he's had. I don't know like who else I'd have to uh, look at like who the list of favorites is. Um, but well, it's got to be a fucking Oppenheimer. For sure. Was Killian Killy Murphy was really good in that, but was that best picture winning, you think? He's got to be up there for sure. Yeah. Bradley Cooper and Maestro, a Maestro movie we talked about here recently. Jeffrey Wright, American Fiction, Killian Murphy, Leo, and Coleman Domingo from Rustin. Hmm. Those are the five listed favorites uh, on Variety.com. Um, I haven't given my score yet. With all of this being said, <laughs> I did more heavily take points away from story than anything. Because there was a few moments where it's like, if you give them something to do, they fucking shine. Mm-hmm. And so I'm at a 17. Still very good score. I do think there's going to be Oscar noms, but I, I think you could have had way, way more well-earned. Leo could have been a fucking lock. De Niro, I don't know if it's the writing or what it is to do with De Niro, because he does have that two-faced kind of writing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe he just needs to try harder. Lily Gladstone, I feel like, for sure is going to get a nom and be up there. So I do like everyone. Jesse Plemons plays a great Jesse Plemons in this. 
If I ever met Jesse Plemons, I'd be so concerned that he would find something. He's like a drug-sniffing dog. <laughs> he was going to find a reason to arrest me. Looking at some of these best picture like favorites, and I mean, we could have things to watch closer to the Oscars, but a lot of them come out in December, and it kind of makes me sad because we went on such a long stretch, I feel like, like a month stretch of like kind of scraping the barrel for movies. And there's like a bunch of movies in December I want to watch. And we already have movies. One of which is The Iron Claw, which I just found out comes out in December. Oh, my God. That's when? the one about the wrestlers. Yeah. December 22nd. Uh, that's one of the Oscar best picture favorites, according to Variety. Also, American Fiction, which I just mentioned right now, is another one. That comes out in December. It's a satirical comedy. So, um, seems interesting. But we'll have time. We could always review it right before the Oscars and all that stuff. So, Yeah, because I definitely want to watch... A lot. There's a lot coming up that I want to watch mm-hmm. and review and discuss. Actor in a leading role, the favorites right now. I already said that, actually. Uh, actress in a leading role. Oh, Lily Gladstone considered a, a leading role, so that's good. Oh, for sure. Um, Margot Robbie, she'll probably get nommed. Actor in Best Supporting, Robert De Niro. <laughs> On the list? Yeah. Uh. Robert Downey Jr., great. Ryan Gosling, should win it. He just can Willem Dafoe, Poor Things. Mark Ruffalo, Poor Things. I love when there's two from one movie. Poor Things, is that a movie we need to review? I don't even know when that comes out. I've never even heard of it. Oh, I I will say I like when there's multiple from one movie. Also comes out in December. Jesus Christ, <laughs> man. That's the strike. That's got to be something to do with the strike there. Just fucking slamming everything in in the calendar year. You know what? I don't want to complain. We can only do so many for the podcast. I feel like I'm going to be going to the movies a lot in December, and I like that. That's when I'm going to finally get Cinemark Movie Pass. That's gonna be every month. time I go to Cinemark, I go, damn, I should get this. Yeah. It's such a great deal. <laughs> that's a good deal. We get Cinemark Movie Pass. You get what is it? Two free tickets. You get one, but it's ten bucks a month, and one ticket's like pretty much ten, 10 bucks. bucks. Yeah. You get your online fees waived, which is like five bucks every time you go. I'm a big Cinemark uh, gift card receiver and for Christmas. Twenty percent off concessions. So stretch it out, make it last even longer. Mm-hmm. My point on the supporting actor. Don't forget that Judas and the Black Messiah had two leading, no, two supporting actor nominees, mm-hmm. zero leading. Yeah. Makes no fucking sense. Yeah, sometimes the Oscars make no sense, Ty, just like when this wins Best Picture, probably. I will be so mad. I'll be more mad than Power of the Dog being <laughs> up there. Enjoyment. I respect this movie. I respect almost the legacy behind it. And maybe I shouldn't. I respect the story, the historical story that's being told. I respect their performances. All that being said, it was long. I was bored. I told Riley last night that I couldn't sleep. Throw on uh, Killers of Flower Moon. Maybe I'll be able to fall asleep. What a quote. And I just, like, this is a key part of our scale that's completely subjective. And I'm not going to pretend to like it just because everyone else does. I'm not going to do that. I'll say I respect it. But that respect is only going to get you an 8 out of 20. Mm, that's a low score. It was boring, dude. It was very boring. It was like, I've said this with movies before. It was a film class movie. Yeah. Haunting in Venice. No, that didn't get a nine. No, Haunting in Venice did get a nine. No, Babylon got it. I don't know. My scale's all out of whack. Just ignore <laughs> me. What'd you give it, Ty? Yeah, eight's a very low score. Um, But I genuinely believe if they make this exact same movie, lie to the public and say it was directed and produced by M. Night Shyamalan... It's got a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. You're probably not wrong. I genuinely believe that. Like a director that it's like popular to shit on him mm-hmm. versus Scorsese. Yeah. People fucking hate this movie. I don't know. I feel like 
I almost feel like we need a third person on the podcast who actually like believes that this is a good movie. Like that kind of person. Mm-hmm. Michael Bay, if this is a Michael Bay movie. Oh, God, people fucking hate it. <laughs> so many more that explosions. Would, M. Night Shyamalan, you could pass off. Yeah. Michael Bay, it'd be like, yeah, where's the explosions? We're like, what's, what's going this on This ain't here, Michael Bay. Bay. What are we doing? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I actually spent the entire explosion budget on that one house. And they're like, oh, okay, <laughs> I get it. It's like, we actually blew up a whole fucking block. <laughs> Not to talk about Oppenheimer, but what if like the ins- explosion was the the inflection point of this movie and you got like this really cool explosion scene and stuff and like you got and then the court case was the follow-up end of the movie with a great payoff <laughs> yeah you could have I, again we're struggling to figure out the structure the structure has been made it was done six months ago to perfection <laughs> oh, i love it i love it i finished with a seven wow so you're talking enjoyment. about how low i was I'm lower than you i i didn't have a fun time with this film no neither did i i genuinely didn't and it's so long. I think if this is a two and a half hour movie. Maybe I'm around the ten mm-hmm. point, but it's just such a fucking chore to get through for such little payoff. <laughs> we saw this movie at nine o'clock, which Cinemark has thirty minutes of preview, so nine thirty is when it started. I don't. And I don't know if what Civic was on, dude. I feel like I got there at like six ten, sat down. I think the movie started at six fourteen for a six fifteen showing. Their previews. I feel like they start their previews early, and there's only like two of them. Yeah. Where Cinemark, there was an Apple ad in the middle of the pre trailers. I've never seen an ad in the middle of the trailers before. Well, it was Apple TV production. Oh, shit. You're smart, Ty. You're fucking smart. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was 11 o'clock, and I looked at my phone. Not like I wasn't on my phone. I just looked up what time it was, and it was 11. I said, Riley, we still have two more hours. And she's like, no way. I'm like, <laughs> we still have two more hours. And we had two more hours. Yeah. It was like an hour 50, but still, yeah. Just long, pretty boring. I'm not going to pretend to like it. That being said, it pisses me off. I didn't do this on purpose. <laughs> I finished I just realized what my score was. I finished with a 65 out of 100. By our scale, this movie, for me, I don't know what yours is. Oh, What's God. your score? I finished with a 66 out of 100. By law. One point above that fucking line. By law, this movie is within the lines. And if we had a consensus Rotten Tomato, we would be part of that 92% and we would give it a fresh I hate that for us. It would be the worst fresh review you'll see. It'd be one of those reviews where the person, like, when they give it a rotten, but the review's like, actually pretty enjoyable. Yeah. Rotten. Like, it would be the other side of that. Yeah. Just be dog shit in the movie the entire time. And it's like, why did this person give it a fresh? <laughs> yeah, is that a typo? It's because the acting's good. It's because you have so much star power. You have a, a director who at least knows how to put together, like, a good-looking film. And you have actors who know how to act. And that's going to... that that cross the bar for you yeah you're not wrong like it it's all the components are so much better than the sum yes so much better than the sum yes now that just kind of makes it hover to this point it's a 65 and a half combined score making it the 129th film out of 202 films we have reviewed it is with the likes of jungle cruise nice babylon Fair. What is a uh, power of the dog? I actually gave power of the dog higher. Power. That's a dog's purpose. That's not power of a dog. I power gave that like a eighty-three or something like that. I'm pretty sure. A dog's purpose. Power of the dog. Because this is the movie it reminded me most of. Why is power of the dog not showing up? I'm just typing dog. I got a dog's purpose. That's the only one it's registering for some reason. Are we missing a movie on our scale? Have we been wrong this whole time? There about- it is. The power of the dog. We gave a seventy-seven. So this is. 
You did give it an 83. I gave it a 71. It was shorter. Probably about an hour shorter. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably what this movie gets if it is an hour shorter. And it was, it was, I remember the emotion. It's also, I wanted to see, where is uh, Ban- the Banshees of Anishirin, a 63. Yeah. It's right there. You gave this one higher point than Banshees of Anishirin. So, and I think for me, the only difference between this and Banshees of Anishirin is this had a, a little bit more filmography score, cinematography score. I feel like with Banshees, I gave a good score, but not a great score. And the acting, Leo kind of. I'm a I'm a Leo guy, so. Yeah, you were also low on the acting on Banshees because I remember I had to make the argument that there was going to be like four Oscar winners slash nominees. <laughs> yeah, like they're going to be represented in every single category, and you were like, "Well, subjective, baby." I didn't like it. Uh, Armin White, we technically disagree with. He gave this a rotten, so that's good. I like that you use that technicality just so we're not on the same page as him, Mr. Armin White. Man, he hasn't. We haven't read many, very many Armin White reviews here um but he didn't like this one he also didn't like taylor swift the era store gave it a rotten no chance he sat through a fucking watching like viewing of that <laughs> no shot that there's 12 year old fucking 12 to 22 year old i, I will ex- expand that mm-hmm. girls in the front three rows standing up singing and dancing and he's in the back road with row with his pen and paper making notes on why that's a bad movie uh, I will say his uh, headline, his H2, whatever it is, the a movie concert promotes post-Madonna, post-Obama mind control. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's Madonna, Obama, and Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. They're coming for you guys. Mm-hmm. What? I don't even know where to start with that. He just baffles me. I, I don't know. It's mind-boggling. There's really an is. undeniable political aspect of the media celebration of the era's tour, nearly $100 million opening weekend box office gross. It's equivalent to Obama mania, Swift being an avowed leftist. I'm going to say it. Taylor Swift's more popular than Obama ever was in this country. No. No, see, I've had Taylor this conversation. Swift? Okay. Well, what, what word did you use? Popular? Popular. Okay, I will give you popular. Not famous. Yeah, popular. Okay, fair. Yeah, I'm telling you, if you go back in time, give me circa 2011, Obama's dating one of the players on the Kansas City Chiefs. He doesn't get cut to as much on a Monday Night Football as Taylor Swift does. She's popular. She's the most famous celebrity in the world, I would say. Yeah. Definitely in America. Not the most famous person. Because I still think that's probably... The president. Yeah, it's political And the figures. ex-president and yeah. the previous ex-president. Everyone has to know about them. And the Pope. I, I, I don't know the Pope's name, Is actually. the Pope the same guy still as from the meme of when he used to do, like, four pictures on Twitter and he would be holding something up? <laughs> I couldn't Is that the same you. Pope? <laughs> I couldn't. I know we've had, like, one Pope change, I think, in our life, and it was about seven years ago? No, we've had, like, three Popes while we've been alive, because one dude quit. There was a pope that quit. Yeah, like I think you're supposed to just rock it out till you die. And there, one of the popes, like recently, was just like, no. It must be. I don't want to talk too much about the pope for obvious reasons, but like Pope Francis, for obvious reason, make it seem like he's like a mob boss. (laughs) He could be. (laughs) I'm not trying to cross Pope Francis. He might like this movie. I don't know. Pope Francis. That does look like the same guy from the meme of him holding something up. It probably is. What number Pope is he? This is a horrible tangent. 
Killers of the Flower Moon. If you went through this whole podcast and haven't seen it yet, um, I hope we told you all you need to know. Just watch like a 20-minute acting montage of like Leo's best moments or like the best acting moments of this film. And you'll get all you need to know from this film. You okay, Ty? I'm so sorry, Jay. I'm on the Pope's Wikipedia right now. There's anti-popes. Really? Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. Groups sometimes form around anti-popes who claim the the pontificate without being canonically and properly elected to it. Wow. They got rivalries in popehood? That's electric. Random AI-generated movie review, Ty. This is going to be more entertaining than Killers of the Flower Moon. And I'm going... I was trying to think of a voice to do based off this film, and I couldn't think of one. I was going to do, like, Jordan Belfort, but I was like, what even is that voice? Staten Island, eh? I don't know. I don't fucking know. (laughs) So instead, I thought back (laughs) to our previous weekend tie where we dressed up as Mario Party for Halloween. Yeah, we did. We looked great. And I was going to – I dressed up as Luigi, but, like, Luigi's voice is kind of just like Mario, but, like, not quite Mario. So I'm just going to do Mario. That's fair. It's a me, a Mario. This is in the review. Mm. Let me tell you about a movie called Redacted. It's about it's there's a, it's a there's a lot of uh it's a words dash a on this synopsis. <laughs> it's a, about a group of misfits and underdogs like a me and my friends. They're a redacted for information that a nobody <laughs> believes in, and they're trying to win a, the bigger game. Every uh is written, by the way. I'm not adding. No, these. yeah, I believe it. There's a, a lot of funny moments, and they learn uh, to work together like a, a real team. You'll see uh, crazy antics and maybe uh, even some love in the air. But in the end, it's all about uh, believing in yourself and never giving up. Uh, just like when I rescue Princess Peach from a Bowser's clutches. Fuck yeah. So get ready for a grand adventure on the Redacted with movie name. Oh, this is a good hint for you. It's a, a home run of a movie. Uh. Oh, <laughs> that's a huge hint because I was going dodgeball a million percent. That he's talking about the average Joes. <laughs> Home run, it's a baseball team love is in the air. They nobody believes in them and they're trying to they're trying to win uh, the big game. Have I seen this? Yes. There's a lot of funny moments, love in the air. I don't remember love being in the air in a recent baseball movie. I know you've seen this. I mean Bench Warmers comes to mind, but who wants to sleep with fucking Rob Schneider? <laughs> I don't remember. I love how much you hate Rob I Schneider. I hate him. I hate him to death. I haven't watched Benchformers in a long time. Do you think it still holds up? No, I know I would watch it hating Rob Schneider the entire time. You think time. it would ruin it for you? Yeah, for sure. Does any Is there love in the air in fucking Benchwarmers? Is it Benchwarmers? That feels like the one. But who counts them out? It's three grown men playing against children. <laughs> all backed by a billionaire investor. <laughs> I think I need to rewatch that movie. <laughs> Ridiculous. I feel like you would go Benchwarmers. What's another baseball movie? I'm like, like you're Sandlot. gonna be so upset. It's like Sandlot, but Sandlot's not like a big game type movie. Underdog. <sighs> Can you give me like a like a time frame? Is this like before or after us? No, I've already given you enough. God damn, man. I've already given you enough. They're a baseball team that nobody believes in, and they're trying to win the bigger game. It's a me, a Mario. Oh, that's how the Mario talks. I should have been doing it more higher pitched. They're a baseball team that nobody believes. That actually is better. It's a me and Mario. It's harder to understand, but it feels more like Mario. 
a Can baseball ever team that no one believes in and love is in the air, and they're trying to win the big game. Trying to win the big game. I'm thinking like, like Moneyball, but there's no love in the air. He just loves numbers. <laughs> she fucking loves the guy who gets on base. <laughs> yeah. Um, Trouble with the curve is about like like prospects. Never seen that movie. Fun not, fact: not a great movie. The whole premise is the number one fucking high school prospects like prospect in the world can't hit a curveball. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And he's so. like, and like none of the scouts have figured this out except for this one gnarly old man. Just like throw him the curve. <laughs> like, he swings and misses. Like. <laughs> It's like, see, fucking told you. The most well-known secondary pitch. I'd say sliders are probably thrown more now, but just the most well-known second pitch is a curveball, yeah. and no one's ever thrown him one. Yeah. They couldn't have made it like trouble with the cutter or something. Trouble with the 98-mile-an-hour sinker <laughs> up and in. <laughs> that doesn't roll off the tongue. It well. doesn't. It doesn't quite <laughs> flow, but it's more of a struggle. Let me tell you, as someone who's played MLB The Show, that's a fucking problem. Way more than a curveball. Throw me a fucking curveball. I beg you. Oh, shit. That's funny. I don't know what fucking movie this is. We're going Bull Durham. Mm. Never seen that movie either. Me either. What movie did we review today? Um, Killers of the Flower Moon. What is that movie about? Indians. Oh, is it? Is it? Is there love in the air on that movie? Did you just use the I word? Well, it is about the Indians. You are Native American. You could say it. I just don't know if I'm allowed to say that word. Cleveland Indians were in Major League. Major <laughs> yes, League. The movie's Major League. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't the Guardians yet. <laughs> it was the Osage Indians. We've been saying Indians this whole review. I don't know what I've been saying. I don't know what I am and I'm not allowed to say, so I just try to respect everyone's uh, preferences. Is there love in the air with that movie? Watched it like one time to review it on this. I think Charlie Sheen is in love with someone. Is he? I thought he just kind of fucks. And that's it. No, it's, it's fucking, it's the catcher. It was the old man catcher. He falls in love. <laughs> Who knows? I think he does go on a date. I don't know. Is she a reporter? Feels like she's a reporter. I don't remember. It's like every love interest in the 90s was a reporter. Especially about a sports movie, yeah. Yeah. Major League, though. Thought that was a... I didn't do a name, a voice that was based off the movie, so I did a, a movie that was somewhat connected. That was connected. No, great connection by you. Mm-hmm. I just... I've seen that movie once, and I, I'm... I love baseball. It's my favorite sport. I love movies. I don't love baseball movies. Mm. Not even a little bit. You don't like Moneyball? Moneyball is very good. Mm-hmm. Sandlot kind of overrated. Benchwarmers Sandlot's probably. Sandlot's very overrated. We've talked about this on the pod. 100%. Um, what's the other one I just said? Benchwarmers. Benchwarmers probably doesn't Has Rob up. Schneider. Just say that. Never watched any of the old ones. Never seen Field of Dreams movie. What's that movie? Never, Never seen it. Is it Field of Dreams? Yeah. Awesome. That's the one everyone says is really good. Yeah, awesome game to watch when they <laughs> juice the balls and the fucking White Sox at like 12 home runs. That's sick. Are you – what sport has the best movies? Boxing? Football. Uh, well, I mean – Football? If you consider boxing, then yeah, boxing. If I consider boxing, boxing is a sport. Of course I consider it. Well, I'm thinking like team sports. Football? What football movies are there? Remember the Titans? Never seen it. I've only oh, seen The Longest Yard. so good. Longest Yard? So good. I can't really think of any other than that. <laughs> what about basketball? You ever seen Joanna Man? No, I haven't. Is it good? <laughs> Do you know what it's about? No. Uh, this guy, I'm pretty sure I've seen it once. It's fucking stupid. He gets uh, kicked out of the NBA, I think, and he goes and plays in the WNBA dressed as a woman. And his oh. name is Joanna Man. 
His name's Jamal, and he calls himself Juana Man. Juana. Juana is his name as a woman, but he's <laughs> Juana Man. Yeah, he's a UBA, a fictionalized version of the NBA basketball star, whose undisciplined on and off court antics have earned him a bad reputation. He's dropped from his team. Blah blah blah. Semi pro. Pretty funny basketball. Good movie. basketball movie. What are we reviewing next week, Ty? <laughs> next week, kind of wish it was a sports movie. Now they need to make better sports movies. I agree. Cars, great movie. I know it's honestly boxing and racing are the only good like sports movie categories. Ford versus Ferrari, electric. Never seen it. Fast and the Furious, <sighs> that's not like actual racing. That's superheroes. <laughs> it's kind of basically just Transformers. You think like superhero cars? Hurt, hates Fast and the Furious more or superhero movies more? MCU or Fast and Furious? He probably hates MCU more, but that's ridiculous because Fast and Furious is the same thing. <laughs> Yeah. They are superhero movies. Yeah. Next week, we're reviewing Five Nights at Freddy's. Gross. It's kind of, it's supposed to be scary. I've never played the game, but I know a lot of people are excited for it. I'll be honest, I have tried to play the game. I didn't understand it, so I stopped. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get it. It okay, didn't make boomer. any sense to me. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. I'm excited to make you go watch this, though. I'm seeing it. It's streaming, baby. Yeah. If you want to go see it in theaters, watch it on streaming like me so I could not be very scared. I did see one review on Twitter randomly that said the movie's not that scary because it's catering to, like, its young audience. And that made me feel better. Huh. They were like, I really wish it would have leaned into the gore and the horror more. The gore? Yeah. I don't get, like, I don't know. I don't get it. It's just like a haunted Chuck E. Cheese? It's like the whole premise? I think we need to have Grace on to explain the FNAF lore because I got about a 20-minute lecture about something called The Bite of 1987 or something like that. The what? Exactly. You know who else feels like they would know a lot about Five Nights at Freddy's? Gavin. Well, maybe, but Conrad. <laughs> I don't know why. He just feels like he'd be real deep into Five Nights at Freddy's lore. Maybe. I know Grace for sure is. She is stoked to see this movie. I- I'm excited for it. I have no idea what the fuck it's about. I don't understand the premise. It's just a haunted animatronic. Josh Hutcherson. Yeah. He's back. PETA. He's back. With a movie coming out a few weeks before another Hunger Games movie. He's back, baby. I'm not excited, but it'll be a good review, maybe. We'll see. I'm excited for it. Go watch it. Um, and then we got a we got a packed November and December after that. Yep, movies are back. Friday strike's over. Still not the acting strike, but that's all right. That's still not resolved? No. They need to get that resolved. Yeah. I agree. But go watch Five Nights at Freddy's. In the meantime, be a good friend, everybody. <laughs>